Hi, you all. <laughs> um, what a wonderful day today uh, to come together, to worship the Lord together, and to open up His Word. And um, I want to say thank you to our leaders, our pastor Mark, he, uh, for, the, for the opportunity and the privilege to teach and to preach. Um, and yeah, he's not here today, but he is praying for us and he is caring for us. And we all should be grateful for our leaders. And it's not just Mark who we have here as our leaders. We have um, John Scott here, also one of our leaders, elder here at Grace Church, and Chris Hamilton. I don't know where he is, but um, also one of our leaders and elders who um, who all are caring for us and who all are available to serve us. And um, we are privileged because these elders are here for us, loving us, caring for us, and serving us. With that privilege in mind and with that mindset, open up Luke chapter 8. And we want to read verses 22 to 25. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat. And he said to them, let us go over the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake. And they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves. And they stopped and it became calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. These are the words of God. Bow with me. Lord, we come to you with a humble heart. Lord, we see your mercy and we see your grace. You will see how constantly you are loving us, forgiving us, and caring for us. Lord, when we open up your word today, when we look into this passage, seeing you, O oh Lord Jesus Christ, help us to understand who you are. Help us to understand what you want us to teach through this passage. Give us ears to hear and Lord, give us a heart that will examine its real status so that we repent and we come to you, our Lord and our Savior. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. The title of today's sermon is, Can You Trust 
Christ? It is a simple question, isn't it? But this question has much weight. If you approach a question like that, can you trust Christ? There can be two emphasis on this question. The first can be called like, can you trust Christ? And if you put it like that, the emphasis is on Christ. And the question is, can you trust him? Is he someone you can put your faith and trust upon him? Is he trustworthy? So the emphasis is on the person of Christ. But you can flip this question and you can ask, can you trust Christ? And everything is changed. The question now is, are you able to trust? Do you have a deep relationship with him that you know him, that you can trust him in any life circumstances? Do you have enough trust in Christ? This is the very question that the disciples are facing in our passage today. But what is trust? What is faith? Faith is not, trust is not believing in facts and information. The Bible is very clear. When you um, look into James, James 2.19, the Bible is stating even demons believe and they even tremble about God. So trust and faith is not just believing in the existence of God, in the reality of a supernatural being. If you look closely into the Bible, Faith and trust is always accompanied with action. Faith and trust is always accompanied with action. And it's simple. Look at you sitting there comfy in the chair. How can you do that? Look at this thing. Four tiny metal I don't know how you call that. Things. <laughs> Legs. Thank you. They're holding you, don't they? There's a sense of trust in these tiny metal legs that they can hold you. So you sit there comfortably, opened up your Bible, leaning backwards. Do you see how faith or trust accompanies action? At the same time, you might not know me, I'm from Germany. I fly about 13 to 14 hours out here for the seminary. Everyone who enters that plane trusts, don't they? It is fascinating how in our natural life we are willing to trust. And that trust and that faith is always accompanied with action. And today, we want to ask this very question pointed at Christ. And the question is, can you 
trust Christ. And the disciples were confronted with the very same question. Can they have faith in Jesus Christ in midst of the storm? Can you trust Christ in any circumstance? Is, is, he, is he the Messiah? Is he God's son who really came to save his people? In this very situation where the disciples were, the rubber meets the road. And the question is, can you, could they trust Christ? I want to give a context of the gospel of Luke. When you look at the gospel of Luke, it is a fascinating book. It is written by a very scientific man. Luke, the doctor. Yeah, is writing this book to Theophilus, uh, a man who is seeking for assurance about that, what he heard about God. And Luke is a very structured man. If you see the gospel of Luke, you can, you can have it in two categories. Luke chapter 1 to 9 is declaring who Jesus is. It is telling us the story about his birth, his claims, his ministry, and his teaching. From chapter 10 to 24, we can see how the truth, the doctrine about this Jesus Christ is implied to life and how it changes everything. So 1 to 9, who is Jesus? 10 to 24, how these things are applied. And this and in this first part, one can observe, and you can observe that Christ is proclaiming the kingdom. He is ministering to people. He is teaching. He is serving. He is healing them. He's casting out demons and even providing food for thousands of people. Jesus is ministering to them. And he is an absolute superstar. People from all over the places come to see him and to even touch him. But they came to see and to touch him, but not to believe in him. They came to benefit from him. And here in chapter 8, we can clearly see that something is changing. Christ is tightening his circle where he is directly ministering to. And you can see in um, Luke chapter 8 verse 4, it says, When a large crowd was coming together and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of parable. Jesus is switching his ministry style. He sees the crowds. And he sees they are only coming to, to benefit from him. And he starts to speak in parables. And it's only explaining that parables to his very disciples. And you can even see later in this chapter, even before our very passage, that in uh, verse 10, he said to him, the disciples, um, 8 verse 10, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. 
the ministry changed. The focus of Christ are his disciples, his followers. He is training and demonstrating them who he is. He is the God-man. He is the Messiah. And in, in our little story, the calming of the storm is part of this, this tail end of the first proclamation of Luke. And it all climaxes in chapter 9, um, verse 20, when Peter makes the greatest confession ever. In 9, verse 20, Luke chapter 9, verse 20, you can read that Luke is say, uh, Paul, uh, Peter is saying, and he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. This is the climax of the first part of the gospel of Luke. Where the closest people to Jesus realize who he is and what he is coming to do. And we are right before this climax where Christ is teaching his disciples the very important lesson. And today in Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25, you will see three realities of faith in Christ so that you cling to him. Three realities of faith in Christ so that you cling to him. And if you take notes, please bear with me. Um, you will see an outline. First, we will see faith in Christ leads into the storm. Verses 22 to 23. And um, second point will be faith in Christ dismantles self-confidence. And our third point is going to be faith in Christ is realizing who he is. Let's. Dive into our text, verses 22 to 23. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Lake. So Jesus, when you look at verse 22, it, it, it starts very ordinary. Yeah, he says in now on one of those days, what, are, what is this day? Let me tell you that this day is significant. When you go to Mark chapter 4 verse 1, you can see that Jesus was teaching all day. And when you jump from Mark chapter 4, 35, you can see when evening came, so night. Jesus, this day, that day was teaching all the time. He was devoting his time to minister to people. And he was answering the people all the time. He was healing lepers. He held, he was healing the servant of the centurion. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. And he also gives the parable of the sower and the soils. He was teaching all day. Jesus is occupied. Jesus is fully committed to his ministry. But when evening hits, he says, let us go to the other side. And why is Jesus wanting to go to the other side? He has a date with the garrison. And when you read further, it is a very important story where Christ is clearing a demon 
out of a place. So Jesus is teaching all day, healing all day. And Jesus wants to go to Capernaum to teach and to meet the garrison and to work wonders. And you see in verse 23, it continues. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. Jesus' day of ministering has its effect. If this would be a psalm, you would read Selah. That means, wait a minute. We need to stop here and think. The creator of the world, the sustainer of the universe, here falls asleep. He is tired. He is fatigued. And he uses this little time from one end to another to get a little rest. But why? Because he's serving. Because he is giving everything he has. He is putting himself out there to minister to people and to proclaim the kingdom of God. Christ is pouring out himself for his people. And he becomes this frail human being that needs rest. Here we see Christ in his humanity. Isaiah 40 verse 28 is stating things about God. It says, Isaiah 40 verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become very tired. Do we understand who this is? This is this creator and he emptied himself and is now sleeping on a pillow. Second Corinthians 8, 9 is telling us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Why was he sleeping? Brothers and sisters, he was tired from ministering and preaching to the people. And we can ask at this moment again, our question, can you trust Christ? Isn't that fascinating? At the same time, we can ask the question, who wants to go to the other side? It is Jesus. Jesus is making the very first claim and is heading out to go to the other side. And we can see that faith in Christ leads into the storm. They were not, the apostles were not in disobedience. The apostles were not in rebellion. The apostles were, leave, were, were in the perfect will of God. And still Christ is leading them into the storm. This is important because life is not always going to be a very calm, peaceful beach in Hawaii. Okay? Life 
And faith in Christ will lead you into the storm. Be ready for that. Christ will take you there. And it doesn't mean that you're outside of his will. You can be perfectly inside of his will. But he will take you there to do the very important thing. And that leads us to our second point. Faith in Christ dismantles self-confidence. Faith in Christ dismantles self-confidence. Read with me verse 23. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. The Sea of Galilee is a fascinating place. Um, I've been there. I've seen it. Even today, this day, it is a it is a very, very popular place for surfers. Yeah, you can YouTube it. You can see videos. You will be shocked how in minutes and seconds the weather could change. And why is it? It is the deepest freshwater lake on planet Earth. Um, it is surrounded by high mountains. And it is unique in all of its creation. And this very place we see, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. Matthew uses the word in Greek that's, that, that, that indicates that this was a sea quake. Friends, this is not a small shower. I don't know where you come from, but... This is not like here. It is a little bit of um, rain, yeah? We can see that scripture is emphasizing a fierce gale descended on the lake and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. The wind is called a, a whirlwind. We would use today to say it's a hurricane. It is nothing like the people have seen before. And we can see that the ship is filling up with water. It is a constant filling up with water. And, you know, we often come to the story. I did that. I grew up in a Christian household, and this is a cool story. But we always think now there are these little disciples, you know, who have no clue, and they're like totally overwhelmed. That is a misconception. At least four of these disciples were born and raised on that sea. They earned their daily bread in go out, going out to fish at that sea. If they would have known that something like this would happen, they would never have been gone out. They know these waters. We can read even that some were fishing here with their fathers even. Peter was called on this very lake. This is their neighborhood. This is their area of expertise. We can call them the Galilean Sea veterans. Yeah? These are not some crying boys in a pedalboard plastic. You're pumped up with air. These are the pros. This is their hood. They know what's going on. And we see how they are in utter panic. They are in 
utter panic because Christ let them into the storm to the point where their wisdom, where their experience, and where their abilities are useless. Christ leads into the storm to dismantle their self-confidence. Imagine the one thing you thought you are good at. And now you are crying around like a little boy. That is what is happening here. Total panic. Everything comes to an end and they can do nothing. They are on their end and they realize alone we will die. Listen, the storm is not there to sink their boat. The storm is to sink and to drown their self-confidence. The storm is there to sink and to drown their confidence in their experience and in their expertise. Jesus will lead you to the point where you come to an end like a drowning ship. Christ leads you to the end of your faith. The faith in self. The, this faith in yourself needs to fail. Alone you will perish. That is the understanding that the disciples get here. He leads them into the storm, not only to trust, to drown their trust and faith in their self-confidence, but also so that the, he can show them who he is. So we have seen so far, faith in Christ leads into the storm. And we follow it up and see faith in Christ dismantles your self-confidence. And our third point is faith in Christ is realizing who he is. Faith in Christ is realizing who he is. Verse 24, they came to Jesus and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Finally, finally, they come to Jesus. Yeah, finally, they, they wake him up and they call on him. They are crying to him. And if you um, see the parallel passages in scripture, you can see that um, Matthew is um, um, recording, save us, Lord, save us, Lord. Mark is recording, teacher, teacher. And you might think that they come to Jesus begging for help. That's not the tone they are using. Mark is recording something very interesting. He says, do you not care is their question. They Come not to Christ in a humble way. They come to Christ in an accusatory way. Why is he sleeping? Why is he come? We are dying. We are dying. Often when storm arises in our life, our true nature comes out. And the sinful thoughts in our heart and in our mind are exposed. 
The disciples might thought, Jesus don't care. He does not care about us. He let us alone. He is very selfish, they might thought. Christ was not sleeping. His disciples were sleeping. They forgot that Christ was there the whole time. He said to them, he commanded them to go to the other side. But they forgot that. They didn't realize that there was not their plan. It was Christ's plan. And we can see that what will happen, anything that will happen when Christ says that, it will come to pass. They are looking at the storm and not at the sun. They forgot because everything around them was so difficult, so frightening, so dangerous. What they have seen was dismantling their faith, distracting them from the sun. What have they seen so far? They forgot everything. But now there is an opportunity for them to learn deeper and to know deeper who Christ is. Christ was sleeping here because he was tired. But what is he doing as soon as they call him? Even with this accusatory tone, even with a sense of accusation, what is he doing? Christ, in his great fatigue, he rises to serve. The hero, the king, the Lord, the creator rises up. To save them. And we read further. And he got up and rebuked the wind. And the surging waves. And they stopped. And became calm. Christ rises. And he's not in panic. He's not uncertain. Guys. I'm, I'm like always fascinated by these stories. I don't know if you have Instagram. But I always see these memes. Okay. And there are these memes of people who wake up in, in, in night and go to the bathroom. You've seen these memes? A bear that is like running around. We all, I will send it to you, okay? <laughs> it's funny, okay? <laughs> but when I get up, I need a minute, okay? Amen. <laughs> but Christ is different. Christ raises up and there is... There is certainty. And what does he do? He rebukes the wind and the surging waves. The word rebuke is often used by Luke to emphasize the authority of Christ. And it is funny. So in Luke 4.35, if you go to Luke 4.35, you can see how Christ is rebuking the demon. In Luke 4.35, you can see, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. In Luke 4.39, we can see Jesus, um, I'm reading 4.39, and standing over her, he rebuked the fever. Imagine that, rebuking a fever. That's Christ, okay? And then in 4.41, we can see, Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak. 
again, rebuke. And Mark 4.39, if you go to Mark, you can even see it says, hush, be still. So Luke is using this word to show that Christ is not an ordinary man. Who can rebuke and it would matter? Only when you have authority, you can rebuke. I'm a son. I know that. We all know that. When the mom or the dad, they have their certain look. You, you know that look. And then there comes this rebuke. Only when you have authority, you can rebuke. Luke is emphasizing in this very text, Christ's authority over creation. Christ has authority over creation. And this is almost creation comes in mind. Where God is speaking things into being. And it's not like he's just rebuking and nothing happened. We read. And they stopped and became calm. Another gospel is stating perfectly calm. It means immediate calmness. How is that possible? How can that be? Have you ever seen wind on the sea? It takes time. But here, Christ's absolute power forces nature to obey him in a most radical way. Christ speaks and a boat was almost sinking. These sea veterans were in panic like little boys, but he stands up and rebukes and it's calm. Perfectly calm. This power over creation is displaying very well who Christ is. He is God. And every Israelite who sees this is remembered of the scene of Exodus. Where God is parting the waters so that his people can walk through. And the power over water is so special because it is only attributed to God. In Psalm 65 verse 7 you can read. Who stills the roaring of the seas. The roaring of their waves. Or in Psalm 89.9. You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise you still them. Every Jew. Every Israelite knows. Only God alone has authority over wind and waves. He can raise up the storm. But he also can calm it. We see Christ's humanity in this text. But also his perfect divinity. Christ is God. Christ has authority over creation. Jesus is real man. But real God. He is the God man. Jesus Christ. And we read in verse 25, and he said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? 
and they obey him. Jesus is looking to his disciples and asking, where is your faith? There's an undertone of concern, of a burden. Where? Where is your faith? And in Matthew 8, verse 26, he says, Why are you afraid, you man of little faith? In Mark 4, 40, you can read, Why are you afraid? How is that you have no faith? Friends, this is a rebuke. And you might think right now, Wow, this is so rude. They just had a traumatic experience. Why is Christ so rude? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Where is his compassion? Don't miss, don't underestimate how much Christ has already revealed to this people. Do, do they not remember how Christ called them? In Luke 5, Peter and his brothers, they have the catch of their life. Christ is giving them the biggest catch ever. He, de- he demonstrated his power over created creatures. Christ was healing lepers. He was healing paralytics. The sick from far. He don't even needed to see the sick. He just spoke and it happened. He resurrected the son of the widow. They have seen that he has power of, over death. He was casting out demons. He is more powerful than evil forces. And more, they have seen how Christ was forgiving sins. And when that happened, even the Pharisees realized this is, this is serious. Because they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. You still have empathy with them? The enemy realized This is God. This is Christ. But his closest one. I told you before when we started how he tightened his circle. And was exclusively ministering to them. Friends, they are first hand eyewitnesses of these. Christ clearly explained that he is God. But in this very moment their faith was gone. But should not be in this very moment the face be seen? Should not in this situation the face you have seen every day, the experience you had every day with Christ take over? But they were distracted because they only saw the sleeping Christ. In Mark 4.40, it's very interesting. Jesus is asking, why are you afraid? Fear is contradicting faith. Where there is fear, there is no faith. Friends, every storm reveals the state of your faith. It shows you where you are right now in your faith. And it begs the question, do you really know him? And the disciples did not understand who he is. Because they were asking in verse 25, who then is this? That he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. 
the fear, and be very focused now on verse 25, switched. Before this situation, they were afraid of the waves and the wind. But who are they fearing now? They were fearful. Jesus already calmed it perfectly. They have clean mirror water. They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, who then is that? He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Sin will make you afraid, afraid of God. Sin will make you afraid of Christ. If you are in sin, when you see God, you want to run and hide. That is what they are expressing, uh, experiencing. And Peter realized that. In earlier when he was called, he realizes that and he says to Christ, go away from me. Luke is answering who Christ is here very clearly. He is God. Christ is God. This whole purpose of the storm is to reveal the God-man Christ. In Psalm 107, we can see how all of that, what we read, happened. Open up Psalm 107, 25 to 30. Psalm 107, 25 to 30. Psalm 107, 25 to 30, we read, For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Why is Christ doing all of that? Why is he doing this? Christ is doing this so that they know who he is. The storm was there to deepen their knowledge and understanding of Christ. Christ is using this very instance. This, we might think, traumatic experience to strengthen them and to serve them. He strengthens, he strengthens them through the storm. Through the storm. And I love Job. Please open up Job 42. Job 42. Um, and we can see Job's conclusion on, on the situation here. Yeah, We all know about Job. Job, a man of God who is um, exposed to various trials, to, to, to great trouble and distress. And might, someone might think this poor guy. And we all would sympathize with him. But in the end... Of his distress, he's saying in verse 2, or we can read verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Jump to verse 5. I have heard of you by hearing of the ear. 
But now my eyes sees you. Jump to James. James chapter 5 verse 11. James chapter 5 verse 11. There we read about this very um, Job. James 5 11. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That the Lord is full of compassion and he is merciful. Isn't that amazing? That Job's conclusion after his endurance was that the Lord is full of compassion. And is merciful. The consequence of Job's suffering was a deepened relationship to God. Jesus knew about the little faith of his disciples, but he's not forsaking them. He teaches them, he convicts them in showing his might and by strengthening them. Do you see his wisdom? Do you see his compassion do you see his mercy his might saves them in the end they were never in danger I want to conclude this message with questions what about you today do you emphasize with them empathize with them or do you think I'm good do you think my ship is clear it is strong it will prevail it will prevail my skills my talent my health my friends my money they will save me friends I want to sell to you a storm will come Because he wants to show you who he is. The question today is not if the storm arises. The question is when. You might already have a moved life. You might receive a diagnosis from a doctor. You lost your job maybe. You have conflict in your family. You live under constant pressure. From school, home, family. Maybe sin is knocking at your door and temptation is, is, is with you all the time and you're in trouble. How are you going to walk into this situation? Will you rest in the knowledge of Christ? Can you sleep in the bottom knowing that Christ, this Christ is with you? Can you trust him? We started off today with the question, can you trust, can you trust Christ? This passage has proven the first emphasis. Can you trust Christ? Oh yeah, you can. He's the God man. He is the savior, the merciful, the compassionate 
Now the burden is on the second emphasis. Can you trust Christ? Another question that this passage is begging us today is, if you don't have faith, and if you not call him master, master, a storm will come. And this storm is certain. It will be the storm of the mighty wrath of God. And the storm will be hell. Where Christ will not be there to rescue to. It will be judgment. Your boat will sink. And Christ the God man will judge you. But here today. Through his very word, Christ is speaking and he is showing who he is, the Savior. Christ, the God-man, came to earth to to save sinners. Will you trust in your self-confidence and in your power? Or are you ready to declare bankruptcy? To repent from your sin and to... Put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. We will transition now to discussion groups. And each of you are put together in a table. And we want to grant you 15 minutes to discuss these questions, these sermons, uh, these points with your um, table. Um, please use this time and help, uh, let me pray for us and then you can start off your 15 minutes. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We are in awe because we see your mercy. We see your love and we see that you are constantly have the best for us in mind. Lord, help us to trust in your ways. Help us to trust that everything you do is to show us who you are. And Lord, we want to pray today that we ask the right question. That we are not asking you if we can trust you. Know that we ask ourselves if we can trust you. Convict us tonight. Help us tonight so that we know who you are and what your will is for our life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.